I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, it's five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for ghosts to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in science, then let them in talk up their body. Another one body, that's just how it go. I got some secrets, I'm shaking the game. Hello and welcome to JK Plus One. I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin. I'm not that guy, PTF. I did see PTF in Italy. Um, uh, my my wife and I were, were going to uh, take some kind of pre-wedding photos in a town over from where we got married. And, uh, you know, no one's supposed to see the bride before and... Um, who comes out of the corners of this, these ruins is Pete Fornatel. He's, he's, he's sweating. Like he's been on some long exercise journey and he, uh, he saw the bride first, but, uh, all good. We're back. And, and what, 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 uh, what do you need to come back from Italy? You need a bunch of grade one races and the Belmont stakes. I think, uh, that's the only thing that made it, made it, uh, made it kind of easy to come back. Um, uh, I'm excited about my guest this week, uh, someone who's been instrumental in my career, but also I think just just instrumental in, in, in how races are being presented on television now. Uh, Tony had a, a vision. Tony Alivato had a vision for uh, racing on TV and what, what it was going to look like and, and took a lot of chances uh, at Naira. Some exclusive deals I think people questioned at the beginning. Um, he's also been part of, of Naira kind of taking a stand against some of the, the CAWs and, 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 and making it a, a more of a play uh, player-friendly environment for for the average player. So I'm excited to talk to Tony about some of those things. Before we get to that, I want to thank our friends at Qatar Racing. Uh, without them, this wouldn't be possible. Uh, Caravel running in the Jiper this weekend. Grade one race against grade one horses. Uh, going six furlongs. I was looking forward to seeing her at Ascot. But selfishly, I'm excited I get to see her in the flesh on Saturday. So let's jump right into it. We got Tony. It's a busy week. It's Belmont week. Tony Alivato. Tony, what's going on? Busy week? No, not really. What's going on this weekend? <laughs> well, I don't even know what day of the week it is. I, I flew. Oh my god, week. it's the Belmont this week. <laughs> Can we cut this short? <laughs> I, I like I said, I don't even know what day of the week it is. I flew back in town yesterday from Europe, and it, 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 I don't. I, I, I head down south in like two days, and we'll see. I, I should be all right. I should be able to reel it in. Listen, before we get started, I have to ask because I've listened to your podcast, and I know someone asked you once what the record number of downloads were and i'd like what is that number what is the number uh i, I don't even remember anymore if I think you had like, to guess like ballpark it uh maybe like 12 12 9 12 000, something it just depends nine nine twelve thousand is that a you a math 12, major oh i no, i just haven't looked i haven't looked in a while it's like it's been nine a while. to twelve thousand or is the number nine twelve thousand because that well i i'm gonna go on record right now i'm gonna guarantee you that this does not break that record. You know, you know, what's funny though, is people like to hear, they love behind the scenes. They love behind the scenes. Behind the scenes is, 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 yeah. is always a lot of fun for people. And, 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 and one of the reasons that I thought to have you this week was because, you know, it, it's, we don't have a triple crown, right there. That's that, you know, but we do have the Belmont stakes and it's going to be on big Fox on, on Fox for the first time. And I, I couldn't think of anyone else to talk to about, putting that deal together and making that happen. You've seen this, this entire relationship with Naira and Fox from the beginning. And we'll go back to the beginning. Cause I have lots of questions about how it all unfolded and, and some of the ups and the downs and the, the turns and stuff like that. But let's, 
let's start where we are now. How did this deal come apart uh, or, or come about where we, we have now the Belmont Stakes on Fox, where it, traditionally it's been on NBC? So this specific deal is it's, it's really been an evolution of where we were, say, you know, 2015, when I first got to Naira to where we are now. At that point, um, we had two television partners, NBC and TVG. Um, and now we've got four partners between NBC, uh, TVG, Fox. TVG is now FanDuel TV, obviously, and, and Fox. And so when the, the Belmont rights came up, uh, you know, our, our first goal was to uh, keep it on NBC because, of you know, we wanted continuity within the Triple Crown. And um, the first two legs lived on NBC. So we worked with them to try and come t- together on a deal. Uh, we weren't able to, and then we negotiated with Fox, and they just really made a compelling, um, a, a really good pitch in terms of where they see the sport going and not taking anything away from NBC because they've done an unbelievable job with the Triple Crown. But a lot of what Fox put in front of us in terms of pushing the the, the gambling side of racing, as well as telling the stories that we've all come to love, I think that that was really a tipping point for us and one of the reasons why uh, we went with, with, with Fox. And the ability to promote Naira Betts, which you'll see a lot of this weekend, um, came in, into play. And, and, you know, Jonathan, you mentioned that we're on Big Fox this weekend with the Belmont telecast for the first time. When we say Big Fox, for people who don't understand the terminology, Big Fox is the broadcast network. It's the same network that shows uh, the World Series, the Super Bowl, Daytona 500. It's the over-the-air channel. It's the one that anybody who has any television package or just has those old rabbit ears antennas, they're able to see it. So it's the biggest distribution you can get for any type of, of television. But what you didn't mention, Jonathan, is that there's another show going on simultaneously that's going to be on Fox Sports 1. Uh, it's called America's Day at the Belmont. Uh, sounds very similar to our America's Day at the Races, and that was done on purpose because it's going to be the same show. So in the past, for those of us that are big horse racing fans uh, and gamblers that would watch Triple Crown coverage, regardless of what what network it was on, and we didn't get to see the post parade or didn't get to see horses in the paddock, um, it wasn't really the product that we were looking for. So Fox came to us and said, listen, what if we did like a dual cast, similar to what you see on Monday Night Football with the Mannings? They call it the Manning cast. At the same time as the Monday Night Football that's game that's going on with Joe Buck and Troy, Troy Aikman. Like, what if we did two shows at the same time, each one of them for a different audience? And that really appealed to us. So this weekend... Um, we're going to be we're going to be on both networks and Jonathan will, you know, I'm going to toot your horn. You'll actually be the one person that's on both of them. You'll be on uh, the Big Fox show and then you'll also be on America's Day at the races. So looking forward to that. But I think it's really a great opportunity to showcase horse racing to an entirely new audience or casual audience while still putting out a product that's going to appeal to our core fan base uh, in the FS1 shows that we're doing. You know, looking at some of the the releases about um, the 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 broadcast, you know, production of the show. There's a couple of names that popped up that I thought were really interesting. Um, uh, starting with Mike Smith, uh, talk to us a little bit about how that came about. You know, I think that when you look at um, Fox, you know they they like to, they they like to go big, and um, you know they just they signed Tom Brady in terms of. Um, uh, from a talent standpoint and in, you know, they had Terry Bradshaw and now they've got Tom Brady. And so there's some, some great, um, 
jockeys that are on the air now with Jerry Bailey and our own uh, Gary Stevens. And Gary Stevens will be a part of the FS1 broadcast. He does a great job. I think Fox is looking to like, okay, what's the next wave of talent that we could get? And I know they had talked about Frankie Dottori as a possible guy, Mike Smith. Um, and Mike Smith really it makes sense because, you know, he's he's done it all. And, um, and he's won the Belmont. In fact, he's the last jockey to win a triple crown. So who better uh, than Mike Smith to have on, on board? And it was actually going to be very interesting because he was scheduled to ride Taba in the Met Mile. And so he would have done the show, left the show to go ride a horse in the race, wore a microphone during the race, and then came back onto the show, which would have been really interesting. But now with Taba not entering, uh, that frees Mike up, and he'll be doing the entire show on the desk with Tom Amos and Kurt Menefee. And and I also got to point out, I think that for racing fans, um, especially of a certain generation, uh, there's a voice that they can kind of uh, lean on when it comes to the, their favorite race call when they watch it back on YouTube. And uh, it was a voice that I think a lot of people in racing have missed. No offense to the voices we hear now, but just one that we've missed in Tom Durkin and and Tom's going to be calling uh, as well on, on Saturday. So when uh, Mike Mulvihill, who is a, an executive at Fox and a really big supporter of, of horse racing, he's, uh, uh, I mean, to be candid, he's one of the reasons, you know, the main reason why we have the deal in place with Fox, with Naira Bats and all the hours that we get every year is he was instrumental on the, the, you know, beginning stages of this deal when we first talked about it. And um, and to where it is now, you know, we were talking about the Belmont telecast and what it would look like. And this was in the summer. And he floated the name of uh, Tom Durkin. And my first reaction is probably anybody's would have been was, well, Tom's not going to Tom's not going to call the Belmont. He hasn't called a race. And God knows how long has it been? Ten years. So um, but, you know, you, you, they always say, you know, it never hurts to ask. And when I approached Tom up at Saratoga, I was pleasantly surprised at his reaction and that there was uh, some interest. So, um, I, you know, getting Tom Durkin to come out of retirement to call the final leg of the Triple Crown, if you're a horse racing fan, how can you not be excited? And so to me, um, a great move by Fox, very bold on their part. I feel like it gives them instant credibility and um I'm excited. I'm excited to hear him. And I think, I, I think I could speak for you, JK and say that you're excited to hear him as well. Oh yeah. I mean, I can't wait. Is he, is he, I haven't talked to you about this. So I don't know the answer. Is he one and done just for the, just for the big race or will he be on some of the undercard races as well? No, he's going to do the, um, the four to seven hour Eastern time on Fox. So he'll be doing the Jiper, the, um, Met mile, the Manhattan and the Belmont. So uh, he's doing four consecutive races and, you know, he's working hard. He's been coming out here and practicing. He's been here for the last couple of weeks and, uh, you know, he's going to be terrific. He said to me, you know, they say it's like riding a bike, but I'm finding it's not as easy as that. <laughs> so, but he's, uh, he's, his wit is great and his race, race calls are going to be equally as great. I always got the impression from him that it wasn't so much the, the day in the day out. It was the, I think it was the anticipation and the buildup for the Derby, which was the thing that was like giving him the most trouble uh, at that point when he decided to walk away, just the 20 horse field and just, you know, every eye in the world. And, 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 you know, I, I think that the, you know, I think he's in a, you know, I'm excited to see, I think he's going to nail it. I, I, I can't wait just to hear his voice will be, will be outstanding. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like I kind of, 
misled him because one of my selling points to him was, so listen, look, Tom, the, the good thing about Belmont Day is we've got all those grade ones and traditionally they come up pretty light. So you end up with five, six horse fields in some of these races. And actually now those races on the shows are pretty good. I mean, you've got nine in the Belmont. I think you've got 11 or 12 in the Manhattan and they're, they're pretty deep races. So I kind of feel like I misled him a little bit, but I know he's going to be great. Um, you mentioned Mike Mulvihill, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about Mike as as we as we kind of talk about the or, the origin story of Saratoga Live and, and the relationship with Fox. But I think it's important to point out too that, or at least to ask, how much do you think Fox's involvement with Naira Betts and in their and their commitment and with their ownership in, in Naira Betts played into them deciding to take on uh, the Belmont um, as a whole? Well, it's, it's, it was a critical part of that. And if you look at what's happening with the landscape of television uh, in general, I mean, it's, we're at a point now where 90% of the plus of the scripted television, when I say scripted, I mean sitcoms, TV shows that you watch, HBO, Netflix, stuff like that. Those are being consumed either via streaming or on a, a DVR. Nobody's watching those kind of shows live. News and sports are the flip of that. They're 90% of people are watching that live. So um, sports is a, is, is a big selling point. But what's happening is in, in back in the day, and it still happens, but you know the, the cable providers would pay a channel per subscriber to get their signal. So for example, um, ESPN would get $3. I'm making the numbers up. $3 for every home that DirecTV put them in. And they'd get that every month. And that's how they made their money. So there were two business models. One was they would get money through sponsorship. And the other one was would be through the cable companies paying them per subscriber that is, has access to their channel. That's slowly going away as the market moves away from traditional cable TV and small satellite to over-the-top and streaming. And as we know, the, mar- uh, the advertising dollars are changing as well because you could do more targeted marketing with digital advertising. Sports television helps because if you're, you know, if you're a, a beer brand, you know that people that are watching sports are more likely to drink beer than than aren't. So, but there, you know, so the opportunity for advertising on on sports is still greater than it is for other programming. But with Naira Betts, our angle to Fox was always this, and we went to them originally in 2016 and said, "Look, if you if you televise a race and you." own a piece of the betting company, you're now getting an extra source of revenue. And when you look at Naira Betts, Naira Betts has a partnership with Caesars as well. We have a partnership with BetMGM. The idea that we picked and put in front of Fox was, imagine if you were televising a football game and you were getting a piece of every dollar that was being bet on that football game, what that would mean. And that's where I think the light bulb went off in terms of, okay, this is a much bigger deal than just horse racing or just Naira Betts, but it's really kind of a test case for what can happen uh, with sports betting and betting in general when promoted on, on television. So on the telecast this weekend, what you'll see is a lot of promotion for Naira Betts, a lot of integration into the telecast in an attempt to try and drive signups. And those signups those are new fans that we're bringing to the sport. And that's uh, one of the main goals. It's one of the reasons why JK, I know you're in the sport and why I'm in the sport. And we, uh, 
we're very passionate about it is because we want to get we want to see the sport grow. We want to see people get involved. And we believe that when you can tie in the beauty of the sport, the competition of it, uh, the history of it, but also promote the betting side of it, which is so important, has been has been ignored uh, so many times on the network level. We think that that's going to resonate with people out there. And with everything that's happening right now with sports betting, it just feels like the best window of opportunity we've had in decades. Tony, when, when, when you talk about, you know, those new fans uh, and, and I'm sure this is something that we'll have conversations with and emails and meetings about, but in your eye, in your eyes is kind of the, the, the head honcho, the one that's above uh, the entire kind of TV situation at Nair. Like what, what, what do you, what would be your elevator pitch to anyone on how do you keep those new fans, those people that are going to tune in because it is the Belmont, they're going to get a Naira bets account for the first time. They're going to deposit their 200, their 300, 500, whatever they do. And then they're going to play like in, in your mind, how do we keep those people playing? How do we get them to come back? How do we get them to schedule a trip to come up to Saratoga? Uh, yeah. And that's a, that's a great question. And there's no, there's no, perfect answer to that and there's no silver bullet for horse racing so when we talk about like how much how much these tv shows or any tv can help horse racing it's not the only answer i mean if obviously if we do a television show in july and it makes someone come out to saratoga that experience they're going to have for the first time is going to be much different than if they're watching in january and they come out to aqueduct and it's just it's the reality of where we are as a sport. Um, and so it's a, it's a difficult challenge. So what we focus on is, okay, first off on the digital side, we get someone to bet. We know what they're doing with digital customers. It's very easy to track what kind of bets they're making, what tracks they are playing, what they like. And you can always go back to them and market to them to keep them engaged and re-engaged. I think part of the problem in horse racing is that we've, we, the learning curve is so high. And on top of that, we charge for data. So for someone to have to pay $10 for past performances is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. So there's this huge barrier of entry for the new fan. So now if you look at what we're doing on the TV side, our goal is to make the people who are watching America's Day at the Races um, or America's Day at the Belmont or Saratoga Live, we want to make them feel like they are smarter than the person who's not watching that show. And to be honest with you, that's a strategy that I learned when I worked at the NFL Network. And I was uh, involved in, uh, in a show there called Total Access. And the idea was, how do you make people watch your show and then the next day when they're standing around the water cooler at work, talk about something that they learned on that show, but represent it as if it's their knowledge that they know. And that's what we try to do. And I think, JK, you do a great job of that on the show in terms of not talking over people's heads, taking that moment just to explain a little bit of what you're saying. So for example, simple thing like saying, instead of saying this horse's sire is American Pharaoh, you would say this horse's father, American Pharaoh, the Triple Crown winner, blah, 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 blah. That, that little difference is a massive difference in terms of appealing to a, a newer fan. And on top of that, you also explain things like value. What does value mean? Well, sometimes people don't realize, but a four to five shot could be the value in the race if the horse is supposed to be one to five. 
And sometimes that that gets lost. Or you might say you like a horse, but now you don't like him anymore because of the the odds. And people might say, well, how do you not like him? Either he's going to win or he's not. But you say, yeah, but at two to one, you can't bet him. And you have always done a great job with that. I think Andy Sterling does a great job in terms of that as well. And there's a there's an educate education there that's taking place for the person who's watching. But it's not horse racing 101 or horse racing for dummies. It's it's a lot more subtle than that. And I think that's the beauty of what you guys do and what the team does on the show. So our goal is they're watching on the Triple Crown. We're giving them a free play to bet. So there's zero risk for them. They can bet for free. They watch the show. They become interested. And then we re-engage them through digital marketing, Twitter, things like that, social media. And then we get them to watch and or come to Saratoga. Our number one goal is to get people to come to the racetrack because as you know and I know that when you come to the racetrack, that's the best way to get hooked as a fan. And as good as the TV shows are and we love our shows, we're always looking to make them get better. Getting people in the seats and at the racetrack and experiencing that way, that's that goes a very, very long way. Well, I think the the, the one of the things that you we kind of touched on it earlier that really – uh, can increase that is, is where your first experience at the racetrack is. I think more so than anything, getting to the racetrack is can hook you more than just watching a great show on a Saturday afternoon. But even, but, but if you're watching the show that's taking place at a great racetrack, I think that also increases the chances and the odds. If you're at a Del Mar, you're at a St. Anita, you're at a Keeneland. And of course, if you're at a, a Saratoga or a Belmont, when, when, when this whole TV thing started, let's kind of go to the beginning. Um, you started at Naira, I guess, in, what, in 2015? Yeah. Um, and then Saratoga Live was born. And I think when I, I read that it, that it started with like 80 hours, and now yes. we got to be well over 1,000, right? A, a yeah. Year. Well, when I, when I first came to Naira in 2015, the first thing I said is, I'm going to get there to be a Triple Crown winner. It's been too long. So I checked that off my list immediately. I, I take care <laughs> of that happening. And then I said, you know what, we'll wait a couple of years and then we'll get another one. Um, but, you know, we originally, we, we launched Naira Bets and the idea was we wanted to enter the um, home wagering market. And unfortunately, Naira was 14 years behind the, the national market. They had a, a good business in New York, but nothing nationally. And I was asked if I was interested in being the, I had worked as a consultant for Naira. This was after working at the NFL Network. And I was asked if I was interested in being the president of uh Naira bets. And I said, I'll do it, but it's got to have a television strategy because to me, for us to compete with people that have been around for so long, we had to, we would never be able to outmarket them. We had to come up with a way to drive uh, account signups and get people involved in horse racing by watching the shows. The other advantage that Naira has versus a TVG was that we own racetracks. So when we televise a race, even if someone is betting with TVG, Twin Spires, FanDuel, or Express Bet, or First Bet, if they're betting on a Saratoga race, that money's going into the pools and that money's going into the sport and going into our racetracks. So we, while we always would prefer people to bet with Naira Bets, we recognized early on that getting on television would move the needle for Saratoga Handle. And we've seen that with Handle having gone up every year that we've been um, on Fox, with I think with the exception of one year we were flat. So we originally thought, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, um, we were on MSG at the time, 
and which is a regional network in New York. And we decided that we would go to different regional networks and pitch them the idea of doing um, Saturday and Sunday shows, like an hour on one Saturday, maybe two hours on another, an hour on a Sunday. And we were going to pick them off one at a time. So like Fox Sports in Southern California, they're all called Bally Sports now, but at the time there were Fox Sports in California, Fox Sports South, um, you name it. Uh, Masson, which was a uh, Massachusetts English uh, New England sports networks, we were going to try and pick them up one by one. So I had a meeting with Mike Mulvihill, who I had uh, met, uh, you know, uh, through my time in sports television and horse racing, to ask him if he could help us get in front of someone um, at um, at some of these regional networks to pitch the idea. And I explained him what we were trying to do, and he said. I love that idea. Is there any chance you would put it on Fox Sports 2 and not go to all the different regionals? And that's kind of where it started. And that first year we did two hours a day, 80 hours. And now, you know, this this uh, summer you'll see every race from Saratoga will be live on, uh, on a Fox network, either FS2, FS1, or Big Fox. And additionally, we do a thousand hours, over a thousand hours a year now of programming. And what's been great is we've been able to incorporate races from other racetracks, tracks like a Sunland Park and places like that that wouldn't normally ever be on network television now getting on network uh, television. So that's kind of how it's evolved. We're um, very close to announcing another very big deal with Fox for Saratoga. I can't say what it is, but I'll tell you, it's something that we've all been asking for in horse racing, and that's for more regular programs on broadcast television, and Fox is getting ready to announce that, and I think the industry is going to be very excited about that. So, look, Fox has been a great partner. It all started back then, but we sold them with the idea of put us on TV, we'll, we'll let you buy a piece of Naira Bats, or you'll have the option to buy a piece of Naira Bats, and let us show you how the sport can grow and how the Naira Betts business can grow by using television to drive it. And, you know, we've got a great team behind the scenes. You work with them and we've got um, a great marketing team and we've got great people in front of the camera and a great partner in Fox. And it's it's worked so far. At the beginning, Tony, you know, there's a couple of things, you know, we, I always kind of tell you if I feel the question or someone will ask me some random question, but at the beginning, you got a lot of, you got a lot of, uh, a lot of hate for the notion that we were going to become exclusive and we were only going to be on Fox or Fox sports and we weren't going to be seen on, on TVG. I mean, I get it, but for those who might not understand why that had to be the way that it was, could you explain it for us? Well, at first, I mean, and I, I get that, but before we start, just one thing, like TVG does a great job and there, I worked at TVG. I was there at the beginning of TVG and it is an unbelievable challenge for their team to cover as many races from as many racetracks that, that they have to cover. And from a talent standpoint, JK, I know you can appreciate having oh that God. handicap Imagine handicapping eight to 12 races in an hour and you're on for three to four hours. It's almost impossible. And they, their talent, their team does an unbelievable job doing that. But from our standpoint, we look at the New York Racing Association and we believe that our content is the best content in the country. We have incredible racing. There are certain times of the year where 
certain tracks and, and uh, there's certain days in the air where certain tracks have better content than us. We know that. But for the most part, when you look at Saratoga as a whole and the Belmont's spring and summer, we have great racing. So now when we put our product on a channel that has to show other races, there were times where we'd have a grade one race and there was no post parade and there was a race right before our race. And the next thing you know, if you're watching the network, they're, they're coming to our track as the horses are loading in the gate. And for us, we felt like we would benefit from more wall-to-wall coverage of our races. And so that's why we did it. But when we went to Fox and negotiated with them, Fox said, you know, we'll do this and we'll pay a TV rights fee, which nobody in horse racing was getting paid for, uh, with the exception of the Triple Crown. Uh, they said, we'll pay you a TV rights fee for your content, but it has to be exclusive. It's no different than when you watch the Cowboys-Redskins game or Cowboys-Washington uh, com- uh, Commanders game on a Sunday at 1 o'clock. That game is only on Fox. That game is not on Fox, NBC, ESPN, and CBS because they've paid for the rights to that game. And that's that's unfortunately the way the business model works, but it also, from a positive standpoint, creates competition. So I, you know, would argue that, you know, TVG, NBC push our shows, push us to do a better job on our shows. And hopefully Fox getting involved in the Triple Crown will will challenge uh, other people in the industry to, to do even more than they do. And they already do a great job, but it'll always just keeping uh, raising that level Uh, higher. And I think that that's what exclusivity does. It creates competition and makes people um, work harder. And it also created more of a value for horse racing by saying, look, we're like other sports. We're getting paid a TV rights fee. Uh, You've got to tune into a mainstream channel. Now, look, one of the complaints we get is that we're not, not every race is on. There's times when we'll get preempted for other sports. And that's where you've got to take the bad with the good. Because, you know, when we come out of a baseball game and we've got all these viewers that are watching baseball, we may have missed the first two races at Belmont, but we've now got a whole new audience that's there for seven more races. And that's where the opportunity lies. So if if Fox Sports 2 was just a horse racing network, it probably wouldn't be as appealing to us as a fact that it's a network that shows baseball, soccer, and other sports like that, college football. That's all very, very important. NASCAR, that's another one very very important for us yeah i mean i've always loved that aspect Uh, you know we've talked about it before like the idea that there was a a a big uh baseball game on on friday night and saturday morning the bars opened up the tv was still on fs2 or fs1 from the night before and next thing you know there's some guy sitting at the bar uh waiting to meet his buddies and and he's suddenly downloaded the app and he's playing the early pick five at, at belmont that that never would have happened. He never would have found that channel, you know? Yeah. And I, and I have to say, I'm still, uh, it's, it's, I don't know if it's, if it's funny, if it's pathetic, but like if I walk into a bar and I'm not working and I see our show on a sports bar, I, it's still, it, there's something about it. It just really, uh, it means a lot to me. It's just, it, it's still, and I'm sure it's happened to you, JK, where you've walked in and you've seen the show on and it's a great feeling and it's nice because you see you're looking up at all these tvs and a sports bar and we're right there next to all these other major sports and that's because we're on a fox network absolutely yeah i mean it's 
Um, you know, and look, and I, and I, and I've done it a lot in my life and I, I still do it from time to time. You know, I, I'd have to go into a bar and ask someone, Hey, can you please put it on, you know, TG, you know, cause it's not a, it's, it, it's, it's not a, something it's not, you don't, you don't go into a bar in the middle of New York city and they just have it on, you know, you gotta kind of have to ask a lot of times it, it, there's, you have to ask a little bit less for FS2 because it could already be on a channel. It could yeah. already be on because there was a, a soccer, you know, there's a, you know, a premier league game on that morning. They just left it on. So it's already there. Um, yeah. And I will say this though, for, I think with TVG rebranding the Fandle TV, I think that that's going to help them in terms of getting some of what you're talking about and more, uh, more mainstream distribution with, with the yeah. name change. And, and also to your point too, just to kind of, to co-sign what you said, um, as, as someone who works on these shows, like, when we have when we get really busy sometimes and have three tracks, man, it's a lot. I, I can only imagine how how they they juggle you know as many as they do. Yeah. Um, your your time at TVG. What, what what did you? I mean, you're obviously a huge racing fan already, but some of the things that you learned there that you kind of applied uh, to to you know your baby of of America's Day at the races in Saratoga Live. You know, I think that. Um, it was just an incredible experience for me to work at, at TVG. And, you know, we started when I got hired at TVG, I was the, the first production hire. So it was, I was literally in an empty building. We were trying to get funding. When we finally got the green light, we had to hire 110 people in six weeks. Uh, we had, I remember when we were doing auditions, we had a, our general manager came from a morning news background. And so his philosophy was, we don't need any horse racing people. We'll just teach them horse racing as we go along. My philosophy was we need a mix so that you can have the non-horse racing people asking the question that the regular sports audience sports audience or viewer would ask. And I think the thing that we learned, we started back then and I've carried since then is, you, you know, really with the talent, you just want to replicate the feeling that you're sitting in a box at the races with these people that you're looking at on the screen. So if I'm at home and I'm watching you and Lafitte and Andy and Tom Amos, it's like all of us are sitting in a box at Saratoga watching the races. And that's something that started when I was at TVG. And that's what we've we've tried to keep going. Now, sometimes that can get a little too casual and has to be reined in. But for the most part, I think you guys have, have done a great job. Then when you throw in the fact that you've got someone like a Maggie Wolfendale or Acacia who can tell you something they're seeing in the paddock that you and I would never be able to pick up on our own. Hey, look, guys, don't bet this horse. It's a turf race and this horse has a dirt, dirt hoof. Bet this horse next time out when the horse is on the dirt. Those are things I don't know about you, JK, but I'm not picking up on that by looking at a racing form or looking at a horse in the paddock. That You add that into it, and I think that that's what you – that really has, has, has taken it to the next level. But at TVG, to me, what I, you know, I really learned was um, – well, first of all, you're only as good as the team that you surround yourself with. And you want to you want to have people that are passionate about the sport. And TVG has always had people that were very, very passionate and worked very hard. And I've seen that here at Naira and what our team is able to pull off. You've seen it. You got, you know, rundowns for the show coming in at two o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, these guys and women and, and men are just working nonstop as hard as can be they're always trying to make the make the shows better and i always tell people when you're producing live television you're searching for the perfect 
broadcast and it's unachievable. And even if you ever think you achieve it, if you go back a year later and look at that broadcast in hindsight, you're going to want to have changed a lot of things that took place there. So it's really an unachievable goal, but it's something that keeps us going and keeps us motivated. So for me, that started at TBG. It started with the team that I that I worked with and um, a lot of the guys that I hired and, and women that I hired, they're still there. Um, so we compete with them, but it's it's uh, it's a friendly uh, competition. And a lot of those things that we, we, we brought over to to Naira and to Fox, but we also then instilled some of the things that Fox does, which is, you know, celebrate the sport, um, really push the big events. And that's what Fox is all about. And we've, you know, we've taken that into account. Fox has a slogan in their uh, control room that says, assume nothing. And when you say assume nothing, it means don't assume that people know that Mike Smith won the Triple Crown with Justify. Don't assume that people know that Tom Amos has won 4,000 races. Don't assume that people know that a sire is the same thing as a father and a dam is the same thing as a mother. And that's kind of what Fox brought to the table uh, in terms of from a production standpoint that helped us um, uh, change, you know, uh, evolve our product from what I was doing uh, back when I was at TVG. And then the stop in between the NFL network, did you feel the same way there, Tony, about kind of, you know, assume nothing or is it, is it because the NFL is so big and, 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 and football typically isn't a foreign language, especially if you're tuning into total access, were you allowed to be a little bit more kind of behind the scenes insider when it comes to that? Yes. I mean, that's a great, and that's a great question. Cause you know, when you watch total access you'd have the, the players talking about the a gap and the b gap and the press coverage versus different types of coverage and um you know that it's a, it's when you're talking about a mainstream sport you can do that because people will pick up on 90 percent of the jargon and the lingo and that other 10 percent they're going to stop to try and find out what it is you know look we all have a device now that we can hold in our hand to look something up with horse racing, it's the other way around sometimes. You know, it's 80% of the, the jargon they don't know and 20% they do. So, you know, we've, I, I remember someone once saying to me, um, you know, I watch the shows on Fox and your talent's always about talking about breaking something, breaking something. And I don't, I don't know what they mean. I couldn't figure out what they're talking about. I kept talking to them, talking to them. And, they said, and then we finally figured out they're not breaking maiden. And I said, yes, that's what it is, breaking maiden. What does breaking maiden mean? And, <laughs> You know, it's like the, a very basic thing that we just take for granted. This horse is in for a claiming price of, uh, you know, 10000 uh, $10, What does that mean? You know, we, this horse worked, you know, five furlongs the other day, 101 and change. He broke from the three-eighths. People, it's, it's, that's all foreign language. And so to me, when someone says press coverage, there's a lot more people that are going to be able to figure out what that is than when we say the horse broke from the three-eighths. Uh, in, in my opinion. So uh, at the NFL Network, we had the luxury of working with a bulletproof product. The year that I was at the NFL Network was the year that um, we had Deflategate with the Patriots. We had the incident with Ray Rice, a horrible incident with um, um, uh, a domestic violence. And then we had an issue with Adrian Peterson. With, uh, he got suspended. That was all in the same year. And the ratings for the Super Bowl were off the charts. And it made me realize, you know, how different their product is than our product. 
we've got to work a lot harder. And I also realized something. I worked with a lot of really smart people at the NFL, but it also gave me a new appreciation for people in racing. And I know that sometimes people will say, you know, oh, people in horse racing are idiots or they don't know this, they don't know that. And, you know, people in horse racing are incredibly creative because you have people working with really limited budgets. And some of the most creative people in racing are some of the smallest tracks in the country. And they're, they're doing multiple jobs, wearing multiple hats. They don't have all the resources they have. They don't have bulletproof product, yet they're finding a way to promote their big days and get people on track and um, get people to bet their product. So sometimes I think we sell our sport a little bit short. That was one thing, one of my takeaways when I was at the NFL Network. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. And and I, 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 you know, look, not to go all the way down that rabbit hole, but it's like, I think the, the one of the tricky things that, and I think some people in the NFL don't like it, but there's, there is leadership, whether you agree with the leadership all the time. And it's like kind of, it's central. Uh, if one guy says something, it kind of goes. And there's a, there's a, a pretty good checks and balances situation of accountability between the entities, the, 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 the Raiders, can't just do whatever they want yes. and the Cowboys can't say that's not fair. And I think that that's one of the gaps we have in racing is that we are a bunch of individual entities, yes. make it, make it very hard to, to kind of organize and have one common path, one common goal. Yeah. I just had a 45 minute passionate, sometimes heated uh, conversation with Mike Rapoli, who's been on, on your show and, and has expressed his views about uh, the industry. And like we, you know, a lot of, I agree with a lot of what he was saying in, in terms of leadership within the industry. The, the problem though, is that we're, it's, we're so far down the road that, and a lot of people in the industry are in survival mode, essentially, you know, um, and it's just, it's hard to get everybody together. You, you talk about the Fox shows, a, a perfect example. Like we're doing a thousand hours on Fox and we will show more races from Sunland Park this year on Fox than Santa Anita, Del Mar and Keeneland combined and Gulfstream because we're showing zero races from those tracks and they have their own TV deals. So they're doing their own thing. So when, when a guy like Mike Rapoli makes a comment like that, he's right. The problem though, is that I don't see how there, there's not going to be a racing league. There's not going to be a commissioner of racing. It's just not going to happen. They tried it with the NTRA. And I think that was the opportunity to get everybody on the same page. But I think there's a lot of self-interest, including here at Naira at, at times that we weren't able to, uh, to accomplish that. And I think the NTRA has done a lot of really good things. So I'm not taking any kind of a shot at, at, at them. But in terms of getting everybody rowing in the same direction, it's it, I think we're going to be aligned in a lot of cases. And then there's other places where we're going to um, agree, but do our own thing. And then there's other things where we're going to compete against each other. And you look at someone like uh, Aiden Butler at uh, the first group, the Stronic Tracks, and um, a guy that you and I both think the world of, and he's really innovative and he's a person that we do a lot of things together on, but then there's other things that we compete on and there's things that we do uh, separately. Television is, is, is an example of that. And ultimately, you know, we, we all want to do what's best for the industry, but our first loyalty is going to be to the track and uh, the market that we represent. 
And, um, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that, you know, if I made Butler, my first, my loyalty needs to be to, um, to their tracks and their markets first. And, but knowing that if we all work together, we can help the sport grow. And, you know, it's all rising tide, um, philosophy. And, and we do believe in that. And I think that you're seeing more synergy now than you were uh, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And, and hopefully, um, it continues. Yeah, well, one of the topics that I had to talk to, to chat with you about, because I know you, you've you been intimately involved in a lot of the, the, the changes that we've had at Naira with um, the CAW um, play and, the, and, and, and all of that. And, and I want to start with the, the wind pool first. You know, I feel like you probably got a lot of people looking at you like you were crazy, just like when you said we're going to come off of TVG, we're going to be exclusive on Fox, and people were telling you that that's going to be a problem for your handle, and it turned out that – that it worked out and, and it wasn't a problem. Um, and then, you know, I think you, you experienced it too. Tell me a little bit about the decision with the wind pool. I want to talk about the pick five and the pick six as well, but with the wind pool to put some limitations on the, uh, the CAWs. Well, let me, let me start by saying that I got into horse racing. My family's never involved in horse racing. I got interested in horse racing as a gambler first and then fell in love with the sport. So I, there's always, a special place in my heart for the player and to me um look we need everybody you, without the horses you don't have a sport without the owners you don't have a sport because they're 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 funding uh the industry and then but but the play without the players there's no sport if you ran horse racing without betting there would be no horse racing and that's a fact so we can never lose sight of that and so for me i pay very close attention to what's going on from a wagering standpoint and how it affects betters. And now, like, we're not always going to be right. I'll keep saying that. We're going to make we're going to make mistakes. We try to do things right. Sometimes things we do don't doesn't work, and we'll try something something different. But when you're looking up and you're watching a race and you bet on a horse that's nine to two with zero minutes to post, and the horse ends up going off at eight to five and winning. It's that's a, a bad experience. You never want someone to win a bet and feel like they had a terrible experience. And it really felt like that was was happening. And it really came to head at Saratoga, where we just had a string of a couple days where we just saw really, really significant odds drops. And to be clear, like people say, well, are they betting after the gates open? There's no betting taking place after the gates open. That it's that the computer players are waiting to the last possible second to make their bets because they're, they want to know what the odds are and they're calculating based off of their algorithms and they're sending all their bets in at, at that point. And some of them don't want the other CAWs to react off of what they're betting. So that's another reason why they wait to the last second. So we just said enough is enough. This is a terrible experience, especially for the newer fan that's coming onto the track and they are shocked when they see what their payout is compared to what they thought they were getting. So we made a decision that all win bets had to be in when the clock hit two minutes till post from a CAW standpoint for regular players, for ADW players, or say ADW online players. And just to be clear for people, CAW is computer assisted wagering. Um, so for the computer players, they, they have to get their bets in by two minutes to post. And look, they immediately boycotted the pools. So, um, they're not, they're no longer betting 
into the wind pools and actually wind play show uh, because of that rule that we put into place. And we've lost revenue because of that. But I'll tell you this, JK, we have not seen one significant odds drop in the wind pool since we did this, was it two summers ago? Have they started? So they, they're they still putting up, they still are saying no, they haven't slowly not, worked their way? Okay. No, they have not. So, um, and that's fine because, you know, there's plenty of other pools that they could be involved with. But for us, you know, we've got to keep uh, an eye on that, um, really the bread and butter of our core fans and try to give them a product. Um, it's hard to win in horse racing, you know, and um there's, it's it, it feels like it's harder to win now than it was 20 years ago. And the argument I always made was it used to be that you would go to the track and you'd find an eight to five shot that was three to one and you could make money that way. Now you'd go to the track and that eight to five shot is even money or six to five. And that was that's a real problem. And I'm probably oversimplifying it with that example, but you know what I mean. Uh, you play the races. And so how do we give a better experience? And now there's times where, you know, you can bet a horse that you think should be five to one and you're getting 10 to one. And that's happening on a regular basis. And I think it's created a, a better experience. And, you know, you see with our late pick five and even with our pick six, we get more carryovers now. I would argue that we're, even though the percentage of dollars being bet on a daily basis is lower without the computer players in the pick six, we get more carryovers because they're not hitting them. And now we're giving the regular player a chance at a bigger score with those carryovers and the $1 denomination. So, you know, I'm sure it'll evolve. It'll change. And, and um, you know, it's important to say that the, the computer players, they are big customers and um, they do support horse racing. There's a lot of money in the pools because of them so that you're able to make a $100 bet or a $50 exacta and not have it skew the odds. And that's because there's liquidity in the pools that those guys are providing. So it's easy to bash uh, CAW, but we also have to remember they are big players and they do, they, there is uh, something they are providing for the industry. Yeah. I, I, look, I don't, I'm not one of those get rid of them. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm more along the lines that, 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 you know, you and Naira have kind of, it's just, let's just, let's just, let's not let them cannibalize our everyday fan. Yeah. Um, let's not let them make that guy who signed or girl who signs up on Saturday on Belmont day and, and, and puts their free wager in and bets a horse and sees the odds change the last second and says, Ooh, uh, I'm, I'm going, I'm going back yeah. to fantasy. I'm going back to daily fantasy. This is weird. Yeah. You know, like we, we, there's, 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 there's levels to it. I think that you have to try to uh, protect and, and the pick five and the pick six, I mean, basically the same idea that you, the late pick five and, and the and the pick six, same idea with, that you talked about with the wind pool. Just one of those situations where you just felt like you had to kind of protect the the average player and, and kind of look a little bit further down the road than just directly in front of us. Yeah. And listen, it wasn't, not all of it was science. Some of it was off of gut. We did look at a lot of data, but you know, when you, you play John, JK, you know, like you, you hit, a, if you're not looking at the will pays, and you've got your four for four and a pick five, you have an idea of what it should pay, right? Am I right when I say that? Yeah, just a, it's a weird intuition. It, yeah, 100%. I don't know it mathematically. I'm not like Andy could do the math and just say, like, I can't do that. But you also got, you, you also have a sense. You can play a super effect and you have an idea what it's going to pay. Right. But 40 to one shot runs fourth. Well, I would be willing to 
that you and I have not had this conversation that you have looked up at times and said, wow, that's paying less than I thought it would. And with us, I think since we've changed it with the late pick five, I think you see a lot less of that. It feels like the payouts are more in line with what they should be. You're not seeing the underlays um, that you've seen for years. And there's a lot more overlays, which is just, again, if I hit a pick five, or you hit a pick five that you thought was going to pay 3000 and it now pays 5000 that extra $2,000 keeps you in play that much longer. Because as you know, whether you're swinging for the fences or you're grinding it out with, you know, win, play, show bets, it's a grind either way. And it's a long game. So having that extra bankroll, it's just, it's all the difference in the world. You're a guy who knows that 2% makes a difference. So imagine if you're getting a 20% higher payout than what you thought you were going to get, how far that that goes. Yeah. And I, I guess, Tony, if you, if you were at, you know, I don't, I don't want to pick on a racetrack, but let's just say a smaller racetrack. You weren't, you didn't have uh, the kind of dependable revenue that Saratoga provides that Belmont provides. I mean, I would imagine that some of these decisions would be a little bit harder for you to execute. Yes. Uh, like what, what do you say to a smaller racetrack that wants to do the right thing for the longevity of the game, but they simply just can't. I mean, they it's can't. hard. I mean, it's yeah. really, it's really difficult. We're blessed that we are Naira is a not for profit. Uh, so we, we are in this for the long haul. We have the, we have the benefit of being able to make decisions that will maybe sure hurt us short term with the hope that it's going to benefit us long term. If you're at a small track in the Midwest, you're not necessarily in the same position that we're in. So, you know, it's very easy for me to say, Hey, cut these guys off of these things. But the only thing I would say is if, if the CAW is 20% of your pools and you take them out of the win pools and the pick six, I make, you know, pick five, whatever it is, there's still going to be 20% of your pool. They're going to shift that money somewhere else. So I, I think that there is a, there is a place where we can get to that keeps those big customers, the CAWs happy and lets them participate but also protects some of the smaller guys. And I shouldn't say protects, but it gives them a better experience. Tony, this weekend with uh, the Belmont show, anything that you're excited about? I mean, I, I noticed you, we started using that, that kind of that camera on the backside, which I love those, the, the, the cable the, cam. The cable cam. Yeah. I, it's, it's such a better experience to really see what's happening within a race. Uh, anything else you're excited about this weekend? Look, I'm excited that, um, the fact that you've got the producer of the Sunday morning NFL pregame show on Fox uh, with Terry Bradshaw and Kurt Menefee. So see those guys, you've seen them on that show. He's coming in producing the show. Uh, you've got uh, Pete Machesca who is working with him on the show. Pete Machesca has produced something like 30 plus world series for Fox and he does the NFL. He's a live show producer and Matt Gangle, who's the director who directs the World Series, you've got like literally the A-team that's out here from Fox covering horse racing. So I'm excited to see what they can do. They're, they've been working on a feature, a two-and-a-half-minute feature about the Secretariat photo, the famous one with Turcotte looking behind him. And um, they've hired 50 extras. They've created a set um, with vintage uh, clothing and vintage... Um, typewriters and things like that to to reenact the things that took place around the race and that photo taking place and like that's the kind of thing that is a 
big, big budget item for a two and a half minute package. Like I am so excited to see what that comes out like. And they've got a lot of things like this. They're bringing in a helicopter to provide aerial support. You know, they, they're really throwing out all the stops, but at the same time, I'm excited about the fact that we're going to be able on the FS1 show, America's day at the Belmont piggyback off of some of those resources and those extra cameras and things that they're bringing in to make the show that we do on a daily basis so well, I should say that you do, you and the team do so well. I kind of ride the coattails of your guys' hard work. Um, and now even take that up a notch and make it a little bit better. So uh, JK, they're going to be giving you $500 bankroll. No, it's not real money. Don't get too excited. <laughs> and that you'll be betting with throughout the day and that we'll be tracking, which I think is going to be exciting. We'll, you know, we'll have that for... Uh, multiple announcers for them to make their bets throughout the day. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes. I'm really, really, really looking forward uh, to the shows. And I think that, um, look, they've got big shoes to fill. NBC has done an unbelievable job. And you talk to the Fox guys and they, you know, uh, they've, they've conceded that, they, you know, this is year one for them. There's going to be a lot of uh, learning pains, growing pains and learning curve. And, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're going to try to do the best show they can. And they've got big, big shoes to fill. So you go from from uh, helicopters on Belmont on Big Fox to uh, what about your first broadcast racing experience? So my first broadcast I did was the Santa Anita Derby, nineteen eighty eight. There was a filly by the name of Winning Colors that was running in the race, and I was hired to be a gopher. They paid me fifty dollars a day um, to sit in the truck and um, answer the phones and. What was funny about that day was Kurt, uh, the announcer was uh, Dave Johnson was calling the race for ABC and uh, Jim McKay was the host, legendary announcer, who I ended up becoming his researcher on uh, later on as I worked longer for, uh, for ABC. And when uh, the horses were coming down the stretch, one of the tech guys from ABC had to run to the winner's circle to bring a microphone into the winner's circle for the post race. And he actually broke the beam at the finish line when he crossed, when he was running on the outside rail. So what happened was they hit the finish line and, you know, Dave Johnson was calling the race, looks up at the tote board and says, you know, and you know, it's winning colors by whatever she won by eight lengths. And the final time, 145 flat for a mile and eighth. It's a new stakes track and world record and not realizing that the guy had crossed the beam and the clock had stopped three seconds before she got to the finish line. And then of course, poor Jim McKay's reacting off of that and says, Oh, you know, Charles C, we knew she was good, but she had, we had no idea she was this good, a world record. And then of course, you know, 45 seconds later, it was, it was being corrected. So it made me realize that, um, you know, when you're producing live sports television, there's a lot of things uh, that can go wrong. And a lot of them that you don't have uh, under, under your con control, but I was, you know, fortunate enough to then go cover the, you know, they asked me after that show, Hey, are you interested in coming to the Derby and working for us at the Derby? And of course, as a horse racing fan, how could I say, uh, no, I didn't realize I was going to be staying in a hotel room with, you know, 10 other people that were working <laughs> as gophers and sleeping on the floor, but that's a story for another podcast. But, um, but you know, that was a, you know, for me to go to my first Derby to see, uh, a Philly win it in winning colors. And, you know, years later to be working with Gary Stevens, uh, the jockey who rode uh, winning colors, 
you know, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And I look at uh, horse racing on television and how much it's evolved. But ultimately, the one thing that stayed the same is that horse racing is all about the great stories. And with in every race, there are so many stories associated with there's the horse, there's the trainer, there's the jockey, there's the owners, there's the groom, there's the race, the handicapping side of it. Who's going to go to the lead? That's the story. And, and you know, it, there's just so many ways you can go when you when you cover horse racing and that was something that was instilled with me early on and i remember jim mckay saying to me once that like one of the first events he ever did for wide world of sports was barrel racing and barrel jumping i'm sorry barrel jumping where they're on skates ice skates and they jump over barrels kind of ridiculous i don't even know if it exists anymore and he thought it was kind of comical and when he got there and he met all the people involved in the sport he realized how big of a deal it was for them so one of the things, and you've heard me say this, and we talk about it in our pre-show meeting at the beginning of every Saratoga meet, is it doesn't matter if it's the Travers, the Whitney, or it's the third race on a Thursday at Saratoga. That race is a big deal for all the people that are involved. And that's why we always treat it with the utmost respect and um, and treat it as if it's a big deal. There's, I always say you, need, you never see someone walk into the winner's circle. They're either running or skipping. You know, if I ever won the Derby, I'd look like I just got my name called on the Price is Right. Like I'd get down there before they change their mind. Um, so, you know, that's something that I learned back in the day. And I think that that's something that I've been uh, carried through throughout my career and try to pass on uh, to the people who have uh, have had the benefit of working with. Well, Tony, it's 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 Tuesday of Belmont week. I'm sure you got a million things you got to sign on your door. People are probably like, who the hell does this guy think he is saying he's busy for an hour and the busiest week? of uh, of the year so I, i'll let you get going but i wanted to say uh congratulations for for you and, and dave and all the hard work uh that you guys put into these this deal with with fox and kind of letting it come to a head a little bit and obviously there's going to be a, a lot more of these but the first one's always fun so congratulations on getting belmont uh on fox and uh and and, and good luck with all of that and then obviously thank you for me personally for for giving me uh such a fun opportunity to be involved in all this stuff well, listen, JK, you always um, do a great job of complimenting the people that come on your show. And I want to just take a minute, if you'll let me, just to give you a compliment in terms of, you know, for people who who only listen to you or see you on TV and don't know, like, you know, you're, you're, you're one of the most passionate people I've ever met when it comes to horse racing. And you really, really care about the sport you want it to grow you want to succeed it succeed you care about the shows and you're a great teammate you root for all the people you work for and you also you get it you know you get it in terms of how are how are we reaching out to new fans and you've i've seen you adjust your style from the first day that you got there as a person who had no experience on television um into where it's at now and i really am, i'm really proud of you and the job that you've done and uh and I hope you're proud of yourself as well. So thank you for having me on and uh, uh, keep up the, the good work. I know that uh, every show you do and every every month and year that goes by, you're only going to get better and better. So thanks for being on on my team. I appreciate it, Tony. I'll see you in a couple of days. Take care. Okay. Tone, I appreciate all the kind words. That was, uh, was, that was very nice. Have you always been a huge supporter uh, and, and one of those guys you like to have in your corner uh, when things might turn in a direction and whatever it might be. He, he, he's always, he's always had my back. Um, 
look, I'm looking forward to this 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 situation to see how Fox handles uh, presenting some of our biggest races. We've seen NBC do it for a long time. They've done a great job. Excited to see what Fox does with it, and excited to be a part of it. Uh, like Tony mentioned, I'll be a little bit uh, on on both shows, which is which is an honor. And I'm excited about that. Uh, make sure even if you go to the races, set your DVRs, put your TV on for your dog. Let's get those ratings up for this uh, for this first ever Belmont on Fox. I want to thank our friends at Guitar Racing. Good luck to Caravel in the Jiper. And uh, look, like I said, lots and lots of great racing in New York to handicap to. I'm going to jump on those past performances. I suggest you do the same. We'll see you next week. I need to know everything. Who and the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you'd be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk.